All right. Hey, how many, who brought your Bible this morning? I see a lot of Bibles. Hold them up. Wave them around. Make the devil mad. There you go. Oh, it's so awesome to see. God bless you guys. Because last week, I think three. And I know, I know that everybody uses their digital Bible. You know, we're in a digital world. But uh, I, I felt like, look, Christians need to be, need to be spotted with an analog Bible under their arm. We need to start reconnecting with the Word of God. The world today needs some absolutes. And there's no absolutes like God's truth because it, it comes from love. And, it, and it, there's perfect grace and perfect mercy in all of His promises and His commands. All right. The atmosphere of praise. God has called us not to live under the atmosphere, but, but to take control of the atmosphere. Praise the Lord. That's where our battles are fought, is in the atmosphere. The Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. No, no wonder the enemy operates in the atmosphere. When you drive from town to town, or even enter people's homes sometimes, you can tell there's an atmosphere, and you can sense that atmosphere when you go to different places. Um, so there's a lot we've said in the previous two segments of this message that I've shared. I won't re-preach them, but this morning I want to share with you about something that's referred to by the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians as the praise of His glory. Say that with me. The praise of His glory. It's found two times in Ephesians 1. I want to quote one of them in verse 12. And it says, We have been destined and appointed to live for the praise of His glory. Wow. We have been destined and appointed to live for the praise of God's glory. Those two words uh, stood out to me because God in His Word is never redundant without a reason. And I looked at those two words, destined and appointed. We've been both destined and appointed to be to the glory of God or to live for His glory. And I recognize that there is a difference between being destined and being appointment. There's a difference between um, destiny and appointment. When you're appointed to a job for your life, and it's a job that you're not destined for, your life is misaligned because you're doing things that you're not equipped for. Think about it. All of us have been appointed to things that really were not our destiny. We had to do them, but they were difficult. And your life is not in alignment. You feel out of alignment. But perfect alignment with, with your destiny and appointments come when you begin to live for the praise of His glory. That's something that every single one of you, when Jesus is Lord of your life, every one of us have a destiny and we have been appointed to live for the praise of God's glory. That's not something that's the singer's job. That's not something that's the prophet's job. That's not something that alone is the, the person who is the, <clears throat> the praiser. Every church has, you know, um, the church lady who's loud. And, and everyone seems to think that's her job. 
to be loud and to praise God. She makes up for everybody else just sitting there. Um, but that's not true. We all are both uh, destined and God has appointed us to live for the praise of his glory. Now, because you are destined and appointed not only to praise God, but you're destined and appointed to inspire others to praise God. You're to live for the praise of his glory. That means that you're not just responsible to give God praise for his glory, but you're responsible to live in a way that inspires other people to see his glory and praise him for it. So part of the praise that we give to God is when other people are inspired to praise God because they see his glory being lived in us. That's part of our praise to God. Um, people, people should be inspired to be close to God because they see your closeness to God. In that way, we're contributing praise to the glory of God. When people want to be close to the Lord because they see your closeness to God, you are praising Him. You're contributing to praise because you're inspiring praise in that other person. All of us are supposed to not just catch fire, but to help others catch fire. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, so in, in, in 1 Peter, Peter writes in chapter 2, keep your behavior excellent among the unsaved so that in the thing in which they might slander you as an evildoer, they may, on account of your good deeds, as they observe them, they will glorify God in the day of his visitation. So what Peter is saying is, because you have praised him through your life and not just with your mouth, through your life, others have come to see the glory of God being praised in you. It's inspired them to be close to God. And when the Lord comes back, they're going to be standing with you, ready to receive him, praising God. And they first learn that from your example. And that's part of your praising God. So um, you may be praising God. You are praising God in ways you've never even considered if you're letting your light shine. Listen, everything that God has promised us in his word. Where's the Bible? There you go. Everything God has promised us in his word is meant to be used by us for his glory. For example, when the Bible says, with his stripes we were healed, that's a promise. With his stripes we were healed. God sent forth his word and delivered them from their destructions. That's a promise. Those promises are meant to be lived in your life. They're not meant for somebody else. They're meant for you to demonstrate them in your life, and that brings glory to God. You should live for the praise of his glory. In fact, you are destined, and the Lord has appointed you. A lot of people have not yet let the Lord appoint them to their destiny. They've got a destiny in God, but they haven't really started it yet. Maybe this morning might be somebody's morning that you're going to say, you know what, I, f I feel like God is appointing me to live the destiny he's called me to. And get, you get serious, you get connected, and you begin to live for the praise of his glory. So every promise of God 
is meant to be used by you, not just the person next to you, but by you for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, when Paul writes in verse 20, for all of the promises of God are in Jesus, yes, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. So who are the agents that are producing glory to God? Us. We are producing glory to God by taking the promises of God, applying them to our life, walking in them, and demonstrating them. When people see you and I obey the word and humble ourselves, obey God's word, and step out, and, we, and they see God answering our obedience to his word, that is a manifestation of the glory of God. And it inspires other people, hey, I can do that. God loves me just like he loves them. That is the praise of his glory. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ unto God's glory through us. So if you're tempted to stop and to think, well, you know, I don't really know if God has given me a ministry of healing. Um, well, he, he may not have, but he has given you a promise of healing. And you can execute that promise. You can stand on that promise. You don't have to have a special calling that God has given you to be laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. The Bible says the believer shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. They will act upon the promise, not necessarily. There are definitely certain callings where God <clears throat> routinely uses in a person's life over and over again, uses them in a particular manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that is a calling in their life, and they, they follow and pursue that. But don't ever think that if that isn't your calling, that, that God can't use you. You're a believer, and every promise of God should be at your fingertips. You have a tremendous toolbox. So when you're out there going through your life uh, day by day, and you come across somebody in need, reach in to the toolbox of God's promises and find the scripture promise that applies to that situation and say, Lord, I want to glorify you and act on that and, and uh, praise God. That's what Peter did. He was walking up, saw the lame man, said silver and gold of a number, such as I have given by you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he pulled him up by the, his hand and the guy was healed. So when you live by faith in the promises of God and it results in you overcoming trials and receiving God's blessings, your example glorifies him because it inspires others to obey God. That is being to the praise of his glory. <clears throat> so what are we talking about when we talk about glory? We really should have a pretty clear understanding when it says we should be to the praise of his glory. The term glory really can be really nebulous and abstract in people's minds. They think of clouds or smoke or something, or just something abstract. But, but the term glory is very concrete, very solid, it's very specific. It has a specific meaning. And when we talk about glory, glory is the function of any living thing when it functions in what it was created to be. So the glory of a thing is its function. That 
Eagle, when it's soaring, is what? It's in its glory. Right? The salmon leaping up the river is in its glory. You never look up in the sky and say, look at that salmon. You never go fishing and pull up an eagle. It doesn't happen. Why? Because in order to be in their glory, they can only function in the environment God created for their glory to function in. God created eagles to function in the environment of the sky. So they are in their glory when they do their thing, when they be what they are in that environment. Same with the fish. When God created you and I, he put us in the garden, in the world, and he said, multiply, subdue, rule, and have dominion. And we are in our glory when we are triumphing and victorious and exercising our authority righteously over the domain that God's put us in. That is our glory. And just as the glory of an eagle has the sky for its environment, our environment is not just the atmosphere of the earth, but specifically the presence of God. It was the presence of God that made the garden different from everything outside the garden. And what did Adam lose when he rebelled against God? He lost the environment. He was not, when he was ejected from the garden, he was actually ejected from the presence of God. So he was like a fish out of water. Picture the salmon being thrown up on a dusty riverbank and it's flopping around. It's trying to swim, it's not getting anywhere, it's trying to breathe, it's gasping. And that was mankind ejected from the environment of God's presence, flopping around like a fish, gasping for air and unable to move effectively. That's a good picture of glory. Glory is your function. So when you got saved, God brought you back into the environment of his presence. And that's why we pray. That's why we fellowship. That's why we sing and worship. That's why we get into his word. We live in the environment of our fellowship with God. In that environment, we can spread our wings. We can do our thing. Hallelujah. We can be to the praise of his glory. So now that we know that glory, the glory of a thing is its function, when what it does manifests what it is, that's its glory. When what it does manifests what it is, that's its glory. Now, who is God? He's the great I am. So what is the glory of God? Jesus is the glory of God. Jesus is God showing up and doing his thing. Jesus is God showing up and being what he is. When you saw Jesus being kind, not being preferential to people that, that wanted to use connections with him to manipulate uh, and triangulate their relationship with him. He walked in such wisdom. He was available to hurting people. He was available to anyone whose heart was open to God. He was there. And it's amazing that he did everything he did in three and a half years because the end of the book of the Gospel of John says, if everything was written down that Jesus had done, the world wouldn't be able to contain the books. It's amazing how compressed into a short three and a half years, Jesus, the Bible says, healed everyone who came to him. 
We have the few testimonies so that we have a little picture of the character of Jesus. And the reason is, is that Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus is the function of God. Jesus is God saying, here I am, this is how I function. So it if a Christian is someone who is being like Jesus, then we ought to be functioning. He ought to be able to function through us, right? God shows up in Jesus and everything he does every single day is miraculous. Miracles are just happening all over the place. You and I can't produce miracles. I can't produce a miracle. In fact, Jesus said you can't change without Lady Clairol or whatever it is, you can't change one hair on your head. In, in fact, all your straining and thinking and elevating yourself will really not add one cubit, not one inch to your stature. You're still going to be as tall, as wide, or whatever as you are. You can't think, and that's what's so ridiculous about people today. Um, what, what's the phrase? Uh, identifying. Well, yeah, when I was growing up, they called that fantasy land. <laughs> Playing pretend, I've got an imaginary friend on there. And you know who did that? Little children. Couldn't tell the difference between reality and fiction. Fantasy land. You got grown-ups today now identifying as things and, and, and identifying themselves outside of reality. So the fact is, that you and I, in reality, we can't work miracles. We can't raise the dead, open the eyes of the blind. But Jesus can. In fact, Jesus does. It's what he does. It's his thing, right? And so, if we're going to be to the praise of his glory, his glory needs to be shown through us. And when people see that, they're inspired to believe God, to praise God, and to let his glory flow in them. So what we're talking about is we're talking about God's function. And Jesus is God being in his glory. Um, John chapter 1, that first chapter in John that really is so wonderful and defines Jesus and his coming into the world. John says this, Now the word of God became flesh and took up residence among us. We saw his glory the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth who came from the Father. So Jesus, who is Jesus? Jesus is the glory of God. He is God functioning, God doing his thing, God being what he is. It's the I am doing what I do, right? So Moses could have said to God could have said to Moses when he said, who are you? He could have said, I am and I do. I am and you'll see what I do. And now, what did God say to us through Jesus Christ? I am, I love you, I've, I'm here to save, to, to make you mine, to bring back the connection that Adam lost. And when you do, there'll be an awakening in you and you'll realize, you'll come home, you'll awaken, you'll realize your destiny is to be one with me. Hallelujah. And you will happily 
Welcome me into your life and let me work through you. And that is being to the praise of his glory. So these wonderful promises of God in him were given to us by covenant. I don't have time to mention the blood covenant. I've talked about it many times. But we understand that a covenant is when two parties come together and the two halves become one whole. And that's what marriage illustrates. The two become one. Two halves becoming one. And those two parts give themselves to each other so that there's now this third entity that is comprised of the two halves. And they're no longer two individual parts. They're part of this one whole that has been made by their coming together. So my weaknesses have now become my wife's weaknesses. And my strengths have become her strengths. And her weaknesses have become part of my responsibility in life. And her strengths have... And so we come together, we make a pretty formidable, right, hon? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, if you're going to get married, make sure you get ahead. That's <coughs> supposed to improve, you know, the, the thing that is created by your covenant should be better than, see, God looked down on Adam. What did he say? Man, it's not good to leave this guy alone. <laughs> what was his answer? He gave him a woman, and they became better together. So that's covenant. And the promises of God were given to us by covenant. That means God gave us promises, and those promises were given to us not just so that we could have promises, but so that we could, we could have him. He, gave, he gifted himself to us. So let me just share with you a few things about what it might look like for you to live for the praise of his glory. Um, so that as you live by the promises, the Holy Spirit manifests in you. God is seen as functioning through your life. That is being to the praise of his glory. <clears throat> when out of obedience and love for the Lord, you're patient under pressure. That's being to the praise of his glory. When out of obedience and love for the Lord, you pray and you seek direction from him. Rather than simply following your own impulses or the opinions of others, that is being to the praise of his glory. When out of obedience and love for the Lord, you stand on the promises of God's word rather than accept the dictates of circumstances. That's being to the praise of his glory. When out of obedience and love for the Lord, you desire and seek opportunity for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate through you. That is being to the praise of his glory. Which brings me to a phrase that I'd like you to think about, make it part of your personal lexicon, and that is, live your gifts. Don't just drag them through life. Live your gifts. That's God's appointment. You have been destined and appointed to live your gifts to the glory of God. Listen, God has gifted all of us with things that will promote praise to Him. 
And if we will live for him through our gifts, if we will serve him through our gifts, if we will be faithful to him by being faithful to our gifts, then we are living for the praise of his glory. There's a couple of verses I'll share with you as we kind of come, come near the end of this. One is in 1 Peter 4. It's a favorite of mine. Verses 10 and 11 says, According as each one of you have received a gift, be ministering it among yourselves as good stewards of the grace of God in its many various forms. If any man speaks, let him be as it were the oracles of God. If any man serves, let it be as the strength which God supplies, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. So how does Jesus get the glory that belongs to him when you and I let him speak through us, when we let him operate through us? That is what glorifies God. That's why God is constantly pulling on us to yield to him, not because he gets some special fulfillment out of seeing you obey him like like some sort of a, you know, uh, a despot who, who thrives off of just exercising control. God doesn't need that. He's got the whole universe in balance by the word of his power. He's got the angels that are, but what is it that he's looking for in us? We were designed, destined, created to have intimate love and fellowship with him and for him to show forth his great power through us. God didn't want to keep all the glory that makes him the function of God that makes him God. He didn't want to keep it to himself. He wanted to share it. Isn't it awesome? God didn't create other gods in the sense that he could just reduplicate himself. And so you've got this kind of Roman pantheon of gods. God is God by mere definition. He is the almighty. If there's an almighty, there's, not a, there's a whole bunch of almighties. So what did God make? He made a partner. Not somebody who is God, but somebody who's a partner with God. And that's you and I. To fellowship with him. To, to receive not only his love, but that he could let us partner with him in his great power and his anointing and his purposes. That's exciting. Now, so by your covenant... With God, through Jesus Christ, God gifted himself to you. When you receive Jesus, God said, by receiving Christ, I enter into covenant with you. And by virtue of the nature of covenants, there's a transference. I transfer myself to you, and you transfer yourself to me. You might think, well, how can God forgive me of all the sins I've committed in my life, much, much less last Tuesday? It's because you transferred yourself to him. And he died on that cross, though he never sinned, as a sacrifice, as the Lamb of God for sin. And by transferring yourself to him, all that guilt was transferred to him, and he paid the debt for it. So he has legal authority. He has, create, he has uh, authority within his nature, but he also has legal authority, because God keeps everything in balance and legal, to say, I forgive you. The debt was paid. The debt was paid. There's no accusation could be brought. So the Lord has gifted himself to you. There's a transference of you to him and of him to you. And so because of that, this makes us accountable to live the gift. 
We're accountable to live the gifts that God has given us, but it makes Jesus accountable to be the gift. He has promised, you live the gift, I'll be the gift. You live laying hands on the sick, I'll be the healer. You open your mouth, I will fill it. You step out in faith, I'll make the miracle happen. You see, God is, God is showing that this is a covenant exchange. That is being to the praise of his glory. Another one real quick is in Romans where Paul says, <clears throat> but we have different gifts according to the grace, the gift that God has given to us. So if the gift is prophecy, that individual must use it in proportion to his faith. If the gift is service, he must serve. If the gift is teaching, he must teach. If the gift is exhortation, they must exhort. If the gift is contributing, they must do it with simplicity. If the gift is leadership, Paul goes on to say, they must lead with diligence. If the gift is showing mercy, do you see the different types of giftings? I've probably mentioned some things, identified some things in you that you thought, wow, that's a gift. I've never really thought of it. I, I love to show mercy to people. It just turns me on. It comes natural to me. I just find myself, and when I do it, they respond. I know I have that gift of showing mercy. When I do it, people respond to me. And so that's, that's a gift. And that's listed here. So if your gift is showing mercy, it says you must do it with cheerfulness. I thought that the, the, the way that Paul was emphatic, if the gift of prophecy, you must use it. That word must was used every single time. You must serve. You must exhort. You must contribute. You must lead. You must show mercy. God is saying that when you enter into covenant with me, I have appointed you to be to the praise of my glory. You must do it. And I've given you gifts so that you can do it. And that's why he was so severe when he said that he gave gifts to three different people. And they went out, the first two, and multiplied it. But the third one buried it in the backyard. And he was really upset that the guy buried it in the backyard. He didn't comfort him because he was afraid and had no faith. He actually reproved him and punished him because he had no faith. God has given his love, the power of his spirit, that the, the love of God that casts out fear to us. So we have no excuse for showing forth his glory. Here's where my job is. I get to be a little stern with you. And, um, and I find that I'm really good at that, that that's kind of a gift, really. <laughs> and um, so my, my, my stern part of this message this morning is are you living the gift that God's put in you? Are you living the gift that reflects His glory so that others can see it and praise Him for it? Like, I, I, God ordained Antonio to get up and give that testimony. That when he heard that message, he knew, wow, God has given me that joy. I'm accountable to praise Him, and I'm going to do more of it this week. And he came back saying, I haven't done as much as I, but I, I did more, and I was a, saw the abundant multiplication. So as we kind of bring this down to a close, God's glory in us includes things like supernatural gifts of the Spirit from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, motivational gifts from Romans chapter 12, skills, 
ser for service that God has given us, ministry callings that he's called us to, character traits that God has put in us that are prominent. All of these things need to be funneled in to making Jesus known. Making Jesus known. And we have no excuse. We should be hiding it under a bear. We should be bold through these gifts. Live, as I said, live your gifts. When you're, when you're living the gift, people will talk about you with gratefulness. They will. You'll think, wow, if, I, if I'd have done this earlier, I could have had more friends. When you live the gift, people will talk about you with gratefulness and, and with thanksgiving to God when you are the person living the gift. They'll be happy that you are involved in their life. That is being to the praise of his glory. If you want to close your Bible, stand with me. Um, for our altar call this morning, I want to share one other verse. And we're going to act on this verse this morning because of what we have heard. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes to Timothy and he says this, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan the flames of the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. And so this morning, we need to fan the flames of the gift that God has given us. God has installed gifts when the Holy Spirit entered our life in us. It's our responsibility to live those gifts. You might not be the best engineer. You might not be the best pilot. You may not be the best bus driver, school uh, teacher. But you have no excuse for not being the best steward of the gifts that God's put in your life. You should get up every day and say, how can I go out and be a prophet? How can I go out and be an evangelist? How can I go out and be that mercy to those people? How can I do that? And look for those opportunities and avoid, avoid uh, uh, dead zones where if you go into them, you lose contact with your gift. Live your gifts. Fan the flames. You ready to fan the flames? All right. So you might be, right now, you might be thinking, I'm not sure what the gifts are in me. You know what they are. You just haven't come to terms yet with, wow, that's a gift that God's put in my life that God wants me to use. You may not be certain, but you've, you've come in contact with it. It's been there for a long time. Um, but we want to fan the flames. So some of you might be praying, Lord, let me know. Let me know what the gift is in me that you have brought into my life so that I can live that and bring glory to you. The rest of you, if you know something that God's called, God's put these gifts in your life, you want to fan those flames, fan them into flames, Paul said. So if you just kind of put your hand on your heart. And Father God, we come boldly to the throne of grace right now. 
Earlier in the service, we prayed for a fresh baptism and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And now we come back to that. We pick that up and we say, Lord, blow. Let the, let the flames, the coals in me, let them be stirred up. I fan those flames, Lord. I pray, Father, right now. I pray sincerely, Lord. Help me to know the gifts that are in my life. And remember, no matter how messed up your life has been, or how mediocre you may think you are, underneath that is buried gifts that God has put there. And I call them forth right now in the name of Jesus. When you got saved, gifts entered your life. And I call them out. I call them forth in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray that the anointing of the fire of God will begin to touch down on every single person under the sound of my voice right now. And that you will fan the flames in their heart, in their life. Because the world needs the gift that you have put in them. And Lord, that man, that woman needs to live for the praise of your glory. The glory that you have put in them needs to shine. And others will praise you because of that glory when it manifests through their life. In Jesus' name, amen. And I believe that as you walk in this, you make it your aim, you'll go out this week and watch it happen. God is going to give opportunities for that gift to operate in your life. Take that opportunity. Take it and watch what the Lord does. One more time, bow your heads in prayer. If there's anybody this morning, you have never asked Jesus to be the Savior of your life. Just standing here today because the Lord has brought you here and you're not sure whether you know him or not, I want to give opportunity to pray with you and ask Jesus to come into your heart to be the Lord and the Holy Spirit of God is going to enter in and your name is going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Father's going to claim you as his son, as his daughter, whom he dearly and greatly loves. Let me pray with you now. Almighty God, I open up my heart and I Believing in Jesus as my Savior, ask you, forgive me of my sins. And let me come to you as your child. Save me and make me one of your eternal children. And I ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit as I turn my life over to you. Father, you are my Father now, and I thank you. Direct my life, lead me, and work through me. Be glorified through my life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.